This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. It's never a good sign when I'm the one presenting a logical solution. Scott Owen. James, can I just make just one quick point? And Adam Pace. Uh, I'm a male. No. Starting now. Hello, everyone. It's time for another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam with you on a Wednesday evening as we're here to review all the A-League action from the weekend involving the teams from southeast Queensland. And there is quite a lot to cover. The men had a 1-0 loss at home to Wellington. The women had a six-goal improvement on a, their last home match with Adelaide, coming away with a 1-1 draw. And we'll also discuss some of the things that have been in the news of late, especially the complaints about fixturing in the A-League as well. So quite a lot to cover. Let's get right into it. Scott, how's John Millman going right now? He's not going great in Brisbane's Johnny Millman and the Australian Open. I'm glad to see they've finally got some, some tennis underway down there given the abysmal weather. But on the football, it was a good weekend for the Roar and the women's getting a result against Adelaide. Maybe less said about the men's game, the better. And uh, yeah, it was a... You know, actually, looking at the Melbourne weather, having spent a month down there not so long ago, that was pretty much everything I experienced down there, Adam. Yeah, well, like I said, it seemed to... Like I said, the comments about Sydney during the uh, during the uh, pink test seem to be coming back to haunt uh, Melbourne. So they, they had they had good weather for that week, but other than that, it's been pretty bad. Maybe they should swap. S- S- Melbourne get the New Year's test, Sydney get the Australian Open. I think I might have just started a, a conflict down south with that, that remark, though. I, I, Maybe, I, actually, I'll no, no, reverse that. have both. How about that? We'll have both. Yeah, at least that way you'll only lose sure a couple of hours. I'm sure the five-court Brisbane, Brisbane Tennis Centre can handle the Australian Open, James. Yeah, and I'm sure at least that way you'll also only lose a couple of hours play when those uh, late afternoon storms roll through as well. Absolutely. I'm sure Johnny Milman can host it at his tennis court over over his um, <laughs> junior, junior days. There we go. I actually remember playing in the same t- uh, tennis tournaments as John Milman growing up. He was a lot better than I am, but that may have also had something to do with the fact they didn't have the attention span for anything longer than a three-shot rally. Actually, I had a um, tennis coach tell me at one point, you're trying to play like Mark Philippouzis without the ability to hit the ball that hard. <laughs> that is not that. a comparison I would make with you. He's tall, you're not. <laughs> well, and also uh, 10-year-old James thought he could hit the ball hard, but was, yeah, not, not the strongest of people. Anyway, we are a football show, but we did that's go on a little Australian bit. That's our Australian Open recap for the week. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And... Uh, I'm so glad I tipped Rafael Nadal. Let's get on to Saturday afternoon up at KO Stadium now. It'll probably be called something different by this weekend. But anyway, the Raw took on Wellington Phoenix and, well, they huffed, they puffed, and they couldn't get by Ollie Effing Sale, who I think probably produced the save of the weekend to deny Joe Knowles late on. And it was a second straight defeat for the Raw, Adam. It was, and uh, look, I think it might be in in this tight competition at the moment with uh, with only really one or two wins blanketing you know, the field from about third down to twelfth. Uh, yeah, two two losses in the space of four days. I think is very is very very costly. Um, look, the raw weren't overly bad, but they weren't overly good either. It was just a really flat performance that, look, I, I suppose in a way, you know, while they probably don't want to make excuses to this point, I think the three games in eight days, I think it really had an effect, but uh, look, credit to Wellington as well. Uh, they 
they they were very they were very solid without being spectacular as well. Um, Oscar Zawada's goal, which at the end of the day was a very very simple, uh, you know, header at the far post uh, from uh, Lucas Moragas. But to look, at, but he had some great touches before then, probably deserved more. So then that was at the end of the day the uh, the one lapse in concentration for the Raw, and uh, that cost them three points. Absolutely. Yeah. First, before I get off the game, James, you know that the mayor of Morton Bay loves his um, naming rights stadium sponsorship deals. So it'll probably be the mayor of Morton Bay Stadium next week when we get up there. So just it definitely will change once again. So don't worry about uh, could that. He, could he not call it the Brisbane Football Review Stadium? We don't have the check to, to clear that, unfortunately. <laughs> Even with the mayor on this show, we don't quite have those funds available, unfortunately. But on the game, I thought that Wellington were really good, in all truth. I thought the way they played almost reminded me a bit of the bit of the raw 10 years ago when they had when the raw remember when the raw had all of the ball and the opposition were trying to find a way to to get in the game and get the ball and get in transition and try and hit in behind it's almost like the roles were reversed that's the way the raw were kind of going wasn't it try and sit back absorb pressure and then try and release Nicola Milosevic or Carlo Armiento in transition and it worked to a degree in terms of they did they did put the ball in the back of the net in the first 10 minutes and that was offside clearly if that goes in and it's given it's a different game, but really the Raw weren't creating a lot of clear-cut chances, were they? And on the ball, I thought Wellington were really, really methodical. And they had Clayton Lewis and Alex Roof, I think, were their two deep-line midfield players. Even in the attacking half, James, they had way too much time on the ball to be able to pick pick passes. And I thought that when they did that and they managed to get the ball to, to Jan Sass, they looked really good. So I thought Wellington were well worth the, the win. And to Adam's point, Moragas with the great ball... Oscar Zavada, who was outstanding once again. I thought Wellington were really, really good, and the Raw, they were a bit flat. I think three games in eight days is probably a part of that. Players being unavailable is probably a part of that. Maybe having a smaller squad for various reasons is a part of that, but they were a bit flat, and I thought Wellington were well worth their win. I've got to be honest, I both agree and disagree with how you guys summed up that game there, because I, I agree Wellington were better, but I don't think it was necessarily like a massive domination because it was a case of the raw they were happy to sit back and back themselves to defend and try to find a way to pinch a goal so it was a case I feel like Wellington were probably made to look a little bit better than they were and you know they made their chance count when uh, Zawada buried the chance but it did feel like it was a very niggly game as well overall there was a lot of just sort of off the ball back and forth I saw a point where Kai Truen um, wasn't happy with a little bit of uh, treatment he got after a pass, and we saw Scott Neville uh, losing his cool at full time when uh, what's his face, a substitute, um, had a little kick out at him as well. And it well, it did feel like it was one of those games where the raw, well, like I said last week, they know what sort of team they are, and for better or worse, it is a defence first team right now. And when you when you're playing six or so central defenders in the squad it just seems like you're going to always find yourself on the back foot defending and then trying to pinch a long uh, pinch a goal on the counter from the likes of Mile Uznic and well look- actually sorry I was just to say just looking at the stats right now in attack it actually was um, it was actually uh, pretty it was actually well not pretty it was actually even 12 shots 12 shots on goal each uh, 4 shots on target each uh, and uh, and the possession was 51 and a half to 48 and a half uh, to, towards uh, Wellington so it actually the stats the stats actually read there was more even game but you know watching it live 
I think I think you're right there, James. I think more as a case of the Raw sort of invited a lot of pressure, and they, and they are sort of you know, trying to invite you know pressure, and then trying to hit on the counter, which you know doesn't always you know map out on the on the set, especially if they actually are successfully try you know you know turning over the ball and actually you know hitting him on the counter. And I feel like the, that's where the absence of Jay O'Shea was felt far and away the most mm. in that game as well, where it feels like he would have probably been able to play that pass. It would have unlocked the defense. And again, you know, you've got to give Ollie Sale the credit where he pulled off an unbelievable save to deny Joe Knowles late on in the game. And, you know, we're probably taking a very different tact with this one as well, had that chance been buried. But it does also show exactly where right now the shortcomings in the squad are, where it is so heavily weighted towards the back line and trying to suffocate out an opposition. They just need to find a way to maybe give up another an extra chance or two to try and create another two or three in attack. And, you know, it all comes down to personnel, and we might talk about the transfer window later, but it feels like it's telling that you're starting arguably, yeah, six guys who are nominally central defenders. Remember Adam and I were talking about this actually on Saturday up on the media deck. Just about, I think within about two minutes of us talking about this, this James, that actually Wellington did score, we're talking about if you do sit back, you're inviting trouble. You're inviting them onto you. And it's re- at some point, you need to stop inviting teams onto you. You can't just sit back for 90 minutes. And I do agree with you that they need to be able to get some more control of the game, don't they? And I think Raman Akbari was brought into that game in the J.O. Shea role, and it didn't quite work out for him. They brought on Louis Zabala early in the second half, and that worked out a bit a bit better. He brought some energy in there. The first time we've seen Louis Zabala playing in the midfield, but if you sit back and invite pressure, James, at some point, good quality teams and players will find a way. And I think the Raw need to maybe push a bit further forward and be a bit more adventurous in the way that they play. Oh, I completely, I completely agree with that as well. I think it's just a case of maybe, you know, someone needs to step up and take on that sort of responsibility and I, I agree the introduction of Louis Zabala really did provide that sort of spark in midfield and it might be a case where we're seeing him get a few more opportunities um, as the season goes on in his preferred central midfield role Oh absolutely considering that as I, as I said I'm unashamedly saying they really don't have a midfield at the moment yeah sure Jay Shea comes back but and uh, look quite true and you know while he is playing in that midfield defensive screening role and doing a darn good job of it too. Look, we all know he's a defensive player, he's a defensive-minded player. And at the end of the day, yeah, the, the, the old saying is that, you know, defence does win championships. The problem is if your midfield attack doesn't, isn't even existent, well, you're not going to really get far with that. So I think that's one area of concern that the Raw really need to, uh, to dress up because, look, defensively, Defensively, they they are very very good. They're pro- they probably you know the best in the league you know right now. However, the problem is is that when it's all the fence trying to do everything, all it took was one slight crack, and that crack was was exposed when uh, Lucas Moragas was able to find Oscar Zavada Zavada that that you know got beyond Connor Chapman, and that and that, and that was it. And that, that's the end scoreline in the end. So, look, I think if the Raw were to score first. It's a very, very different ball game, especially if, if Millie was inside side after three minutes, which look, he, he was clearly offside, as no one's, no one's doubting that otherwise. But if they're all going ahead after three minutes or whatever, it's a very, very different ball game. And I think at, at this stage of the moment, I think uh, opponents, be it you know, at home or away, 
are going to be saying, you know what, the way to beat this team, this Raw team, is to score first. That's all I was going to say, James, actually. With the Raw at the moment, the first goal in their games is absolutely crucial, isn't it? I mean, when the Raw do score first, thinking about against victory, they're able to hold on and manage the game out really well. When they when they do score first, the Raw, it is hard to break them down. But when the opposition score first, and then they no longer have to push forward with any sort of intent, and the Raw have to break them down, it tends to be a bit more difficult for them to actually create clear-cut opportunities. Yes, they've got points in those sort of situations, James, but quite often... It's a it's a set piece or it's a long range long range bomb that's hard to plan for. It's not really a clearly concise created opportunity that gets them back into a game. So I think the first goal in a raw game is is really really crucial. And you mentioned earlier they might need to give up a couple more chances to create a few more. They might have to be willing to concede a couple more goals to score a few more goals as well because defensively their record is outstanding. It is by far the best defensive record in the A League right now. It's an outstanding defensive record that they have but offensively it's just not enough it's not enough to get you into the top six so I think they have to be willing to to take a few more risks and push a few more bodies forward maybe get a few more creative players in there to try and create those chances because at the moment yes defense wins championships but they're not scoring enough goals to be in a position to let that defense win a championship yeah it's one thing to come in and say all right we're going to keep the opposition to zero or one goal but it's an entirely different thing to you know, also push forward as well. And when I say create more chances instead of concede a couple more goals, that's also where I'm showing plenty of faith in the likes of Jordan Holmes, who has been overall quite strong this season as well. Yeah. He's will be willing yeah. to take that risk I'm talking about. Yeah, put him under. Put, you're putting him under a bit more pressure. But um, I will uh, give a quick uh, funny story uh, from Jordan Holmes as well, where uh, when he pushed forward at the end of the game as they were chasing that late equaliser... I loved the, uh, you could see when he was like, all right, well, I'm not getting back in time. I'm staying forward and trying to uh, play the hero myself. That was um, one, of the, one of the fun moments on the day. Oh, look, to be honest, if they had scored an empty net goal, I don't think anyone would have minded too much I'll chasing the game. Look, and this is not to say that the Raw aren't trying hard. Just, the fact is, is that they just, they just don't seem in attack to have much direction. And when it is, there is direction. It's one-dimensional and all telegraphed. And that's, that's the problem. What, what really sort of infuriated me at time to time is that you've got the, potentially the fastest player in the A-League playing in a number nine role. And because his fellow attackers are not keeping up, or you know, midfield's not keeping up, he's being forced to play hold-up. Like what? What a what a waste of a, of 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 you know of that speed that you know Nikola Mulisic you know possesses. You know, so are you saying he runs too fast, Adam? Well, for his teammates, he does, obviously. So it's it's like I said, it's it's a case of you know, and like I said, you got Joe Niles playing as a you know play as has been playing as a winger slash wing back. Like I think you know, you know in MPL Victoria, they're, they're having having a gold laugh. So yeah. I think I think it also comes down to the fact that there is just so like they are so limited just in terms of personnel up front because when you look at the squad now with the departure of Cyrus Demi, who by the way is signed for a Danish club. Danish first division club. Which is their second tier. Yes. Yeah, okay. So so Cyrus Demi is going to Bet De- League. Liga. There we go. Well, either way, he's gone over there, and I know he hasn't scored an A-League goal, and plenty of people were ready to ditch him to the curb for a bag of Skittles, but he was another body. And it is just one of those situations now where that 
those attacking stocks have taken another hit as well. Obviously, Charlie Austin's gone. Uh, Cyrus Demi's gone as well. Jesse Daly, bit more of a combative midfielder, but he did pop up in that final third from time to time as well. And it is just a case of you've got such a defence-heavy first team right now. Eventually, you're going to have to find a way to address that. But, yeah. Thomas Wadding was away as well at the moment on an Australian schoolboys to have scored a couple of goals against an English side. So there's another young attacker who would have been right on the radar on the bench last week, actually, who's also not available at the moment. And, yeah, on, so on, top of, and on top of that, the rumours are true about Ricky Danzaki going to the Scottish Premier League in Motherwell. My God, yeah, we, we weren't kidding that. They don't actually don't have the attackers non-existent. So something has to be, um, something has to be done. Yeah, well, look, we'll... Uh... You know, actually, we'll quickly go on to three, two, ones. Who's doing that this week? Uh, that would be me. Okay, we'll do that because I'll yep. use this as a segue into transfers. Yep. Seamless as always, James. This is why you're the midweek host. <laughs> yeah, that's a segue. But uh, look, three point three points to uh, Tom Aldred. Uh, obviously, you know, defensive rock. Two points, Kai Truan, and one point to Jack Ingett. Uh I think that one point was a probably a marking the fact that you know of his 250th A League game. Congratulations to Jack uh, in the presentation. But look, also as well, he had a very very good game. You know, he, as always, told hard down that right right wing, and uh, yeah, it was good for a point. I think that might have been Hingett's best performance of the season, all things considered. But I, th- I think so. He, he, was, yeah. he was very good. But well, we were just talking about the transfers as well, and this is something that. The three of us have been, you know, quite strong on over the last week, just chatting to each other. We do feel like this is now a squad that it's missing four, four first team players. There's no way around it. Where Demi is gone, Austin's gone, Daly's gone, Steinman, and Steinman Steinman is gone, gone. And there's still the big question mark over Corey Brown, whether he's gone or he's not gone. No resolution publicly on that either. Yeah, and uh, also Riku may be gone as well. So essentially, like you're looking at a first-team squad that could be anywhere from, well, again, also depending on how you rated Steinman, four to six players short. So the question now becomes, how do they address it? And I think it is fairly unanimous among the three of us where we feel like three, if not all four of those vacant spots need to be filled by attack-minded players. I'm still firmly of the belief that the number one priority is getting that proper number 10 playmaker who can play in the likes of Mila Yuznich, Joe Knowles, uh, Riku, if he's still here, um, and try and get the best out of the guys who are operating next to and ahead of him. That, to me, still remains a priority. But you do also need another striker because... I was joking about this before we uh, started recording... Two goals for Thomas Waddingham for the Australian schoolboys on a tour of England. He's probably catching the eyes from scouts over there. So what are the like? There is every chance that he might catch the eye of a club over there, and he might not come back. And look, it all just comes down to bringing in bodies because I suppose, I suppose for me, it also does come down to finding the right players to sign as well. It's one thing to just go out and say, "All right, well, we're going to bring in." NPL player A you know pick someone from Queensland we're going to sign that guy and he's going to come in and uh, compete with and uh, compete with Joe Knowles for that starting spot that 
probably doesn't uh, solve those issues that you're looking for, though. You're going to need someone with a proven um, track record. And one of the names that leapt out to me was George Blackwood from Adelaide, trying to capitalise on Ante Kovacevic's uh, links with the club down in South Australia. But then also comes down to the A-League system of needing to get a mutual termination, uh, trying to make the most of that situation. Scott? Yeah, well, firstly, I'll get into that. Firstly, you're talking about Thomas Waddingham. People might be thinking, oh, that sounds ridiculous. Scored a couple of goals in a schoolboys game. There's no way scouts will be looking. Well, Eli Adams got picked up from a pretty similar level to go to a club over in Germany. So they certainly are looking at that level. So it may not necessarily be a Premier League club, but there'll be certainly clubs all across the UK who would have seen that game and would be at least thinking there's a player there. Whether they bid for him or not is a whole other matter, but they would certainly be looking at him, James. Yeah, I would also just... Um say if anyone from the Waddingham family is listening I would advise him uh, to not go to that uh, small club in North London that wears white and has fans kick opposition goalkeepers so don't go to the Premier League leaders is what he's saying but back to the point of the of the, <laughs> the um, transfer window uh, James they Premier do, do need leaders? you're leading it so they wear white as well don't worry don't worry I'm saying don't go to your club anyway that's not really the point <laughs> let's, let's, not go North London. Into, let's not get bogged down into Premier League discussion with the Raw they do need they need at least three, if not four, players. I think they need two strikers, James, because they need a number nine to be a reference point, to be a focal point. And if Joe Knowles is going to be played in a wider sort of a role, if that's where they see him best for this season, they need another another striker off the bench to fill that role that Cyrus Demi was filling. The fans might not have been happy with what he was doing, but they do need another option to come off the bench as well. And I agree about needing an attacking midfielder. I also think they need another, another, another six-type midfielder. Maybe not necessarily to start, but somebody who can come in and replace an O'Shea or a, a Kai Truin in a game, we're looking for a different option. Somebody who's different to O'Shea and Truin is what you're looking for as a bench roll. So I think they need those four pieces to give them more flexibility going forward. Because at the moment, it's really the bare bones of a squad, isn't it? Particularly once you get four to the defence, it's really the bare bones of a squad. They need to they need to bring players in. And you mentioned, do they wait or do they go for it? I think there's a couple of those roles where bench roles, maybe you do seem to bring somebody in who can fill that role relatively quickly. They do have three visa spots, it's worth mentioning as well, that they can go and use. So, they got scope to go get some quality players, but every week they don't bring someone in, James, is another opportunity, another week that's gone by with a game time where they won't have these players available. And in a league that's so tight, if you leave it too long, you might leave yourself shorter games for those players to bed in and have a real impact. The, I, well, on that needing... Uh, points on every game mattering. The only uh, counter to that I would say is, you know, I'd rather them wait an extra week to bring in the right player. I know it might necessarily, it might cost you a point here and there, but if that allows you to pick up an extra couple of points down the line, the only uh, thing I would disagree on, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Adam, is that defensive midfield spot, I don't think it is necessarily the biggest priority because you've got O'Shea, Truen. You've also got Connor Chapman who can play there as well. And I'm pretty sure I've seen... Uh, talking about bench option, James. Oh, yeah, I know. But, I mean, if you're bringing in an extra attacking midfielder and an extra striker, that probably drops someone like Connor Chapman to the bench. Because I think if you're going to fit in this new signing, you're probably not going to be playing five or three or five at the back. I think you're going to have to sacrifice one of those central defenders that's starting for one of the new signings. So that does help your depth there a little bit as well and quite frankly with the way that they're playing I feel like if you're starting two it's probably Aldred and Neville 
It, it is uh, the one. The one thing I also got, I'll take a backwards back step is that it, it seems to me that the raw seem to have been left once again flat-footed in this transfer market because it, it looks like, and I'm, when I say flat-footed, I think Plan A was potentially was potentially Robbie Cruz and Michael Zulo. And that didn't happen, as as Marco Monteverdi reported. That didn't happen. Robbie Cruz didn't want. He wanted a 18-month contract. Where was they willing to give him uh, a a six-month contract? Michael Zulo, they're 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 denying that they even offered him a contract. Take take it what you will. They they those two players are typically the sort of signings that the Raw have been renowned over for the last half a de- half a decade of making. So now we're left with a situation where there's now four spots. It was three at the time. Cyrus Demi's uh, departure yesterday, I think, caught you know a lot of people off guard, at least the fans. And now it's a case of the Raw has to somehow, some way, find the, these players that you know, which are not players that in positions that just don't you know just don't come off the production line. They can you have to do some serious scouting to find find the right player. And if you try and build around. Uh, it's it's a case of it could be an even bigger disaster than what it is already. But what 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 sort of a, you know, really concerns me, I and mean, actually frustrates me to a point as a fan, is that how long did they know that Charlie Austin was going to go? Yet it doesn't seem to have been any plan other than hope that Joe Knowles becomes a player that you know that could match that. And even he seems to be, as I said before, being played out of position. It just seems like their, their, trans, their transfer strategy seems to be either non-existent or, or plan A is shot. Oh, what are we going to do now? And it is getting, it's getting to the point of critical where it may be a case of where we're saying in three or four weeks' time, the Raw have given up this season. They've basically sacrificed the season. They'll go, they'll go to, the, um, to, the, you know, to the off-season transfer window and rebuild the side because, quite frankly, even though they're still in contention... Uh, it's the as Scott said. The longer this goes without you know bringing fresh players in, the more opportunities are gone. And and you just can't rely in this day and age in the A League to have a 16, 17 player squad to get you through. You need you need depth. And the raw this raw side doesn't have that depth. If they get another a, a injury or two to a crucial player, it, it's it's all over. I mean, it's simple as that. Yeah, I think defensively, Adam, they do have the depth required to cover. Most injuries yeah, at the back, yeah. but but you're right in the midfield and going forward. Mm. I think they are quite short on numbers. I do think James. They do need to. They might need to bring somebody in at some point relatively quickly, just because they are very. I don't know who's who would the attackers be off the bench this weekend. Jez Lofthouse and is that going to be the only player you've got who can come on off the bench as an attacker? I'm trying to think of the. Um... There's not many out there, unless Riku. Maybe he's if he's. Not starting, he might be the other one. But that's again, that's two players who are more attacking midfielders, not actual out-and-out strikers. So they are short on players in that front third, and I do think sooner rather than later they do need to address that. Um, yes, it needs to be the right player who's going to make an impact, but at some point, James, you need to make a decision as well. I don't know. I think that's where we both agree they need to make the move, but, well, spoiler alert for my prediction, uh, in a little while... Probably doesn't necessarily like. Probably not going to have much of an impact this weekend against the irritated Melbourne City side. It's we'll uh, save that for later. Yeah, we'll save we'll save our predictions uh, for 
for the end of the show. But uh, I don't yeah. disagree with you, but we'll save it for later. Mm. Uh, I just think, but I also think as well, and it was very, very patently clear from the press conference, um, you know, on Saturday with Warramunde, he seemed very bitterly disappointed, and I think also as well, I think that would be the mood around the, 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 the club, because that was a that was a big loss for them, it was, it was almost a six-pointer, because you can sort of forgive in a way, okay, you lose in Perth midweek. Uh, and they're going to they're gonna find it tough, even though it's at home, to to beat you know a rampant Melbourne City. Uh, like I said, but if you if you picked up a point or even a win, that you know, go, going you know, loss win loss is okay. They they look down the barrel three straight losses here. Yeah, exactly. And it, it is the one final point I will make on all of this is the fact that it is amazing how seven days ago or mm. eight days ago everyone. Like a lot of the comments were, wow, this is actually trending in the right direction. It's a long, unbeaten run. And now, on Wednesday, you're seeing a lot of those same people saying, you know, it, it's the end of the world. So it does show just how fickle and quick to change uh, a lot of this stuff can be. It's actually, it's actually funny, I was gonna, just, just quickly on that, how long streaks like that then go, um, go a little bit pear-shaped. We, we, the, most, the most famous example of, you know, of the Raws, you know, you know, Australian record, 36 games unbeaten, when that got snapped, they then they lost the next four, next four games. So maybe this is, this is it, you go from the highs of the high to the lows of the low, and at the moment, I think the Raw, they really need the tides to shift very, very quickly. Yeah. We'll see what happens here is... Only the halfway point of the season from memory, so there is uh, still quite a ways to go. But There's 14 match days to go for the Raw. I had a look earlier. There we go. So still uh, a ways to go, but still plenty that needs to be addressed. And one thing that we need to address right now is the A-League women's 1-1 draw uh, with Adelaide, which heralded the return of India Paige Riley, which did that get a mention last week or was that a late signing? That was a late signing. Okay, well... well uh, I have to say a big thanks to whoever wasn't considerate of our recording schedule then. But, um, yeah, it was a 1-1 draw. I thought they battled hard against an Adelaide side that they've had plenty of problems with in the past, most notably last season. But a couple of big saves from Hensley Handcuff. Uh, really strong performance in midfield again from Katrina Gorey. And it still feels like overall this team hasn't quite fulfilled its potential, but it is definitely trending in an upwards direction, Scott. Absolutely. Last week on the show, we said they needed a improved performance to, for a bit of revenge against what happened last year against Adelaide. You know, they were, weren't were themselves last last week in Adelaide, certainly in comparison to what we saw last year. But I thought the Raw were really, really bright in, in large parts of this game. I thought the new signing, or the returning India Page Riley as a new signing, made a real impact. And she did score that goal in the first half. Had another one she did score, which um, was ruled out correctly for offside. Had another couple in the second half that might have gone in as well. So had a really big impact on the game, James, and it seemed like it added an extra dimension to that raw attack. Someone with a bit of pace and skill to get beyond Larissa Crummer was something that added to that raw squad quite nicely. So I thought she added a lot in the front third. Defensively, I also think the raw were a fair bit better in this game. I mean, I know Tegan Thompson has moved on. Not that she was the problem in the last game, it's just that she they changed both the forwards. They brought Talitha Kramer and Jesse Rashard in, and I thought. They were both doing an outstanding job in the wide areas in this game. And defensively, they looked more solid. So the improvements that needed to be made after the Sydney game were there. And it was an improved performance, a good performance at home to Adelaide. The only little nagging thing about it is they still haven't beaten one of the top clubs in the te- in the league this season. But that's a 
a good performance at home against an Adelaide side, which were out of sorts, but also still posed a lot of dangers. So I, thought, I thought it was a really good performance from the Raw, and Indy did quite well on her return. Yeah, this uh, this Raw team now, Indy Patriotli does add a real uh, fascinating dimension to to this team because I, I really, really like this front three now of uh, of uh, Indy, uh, Larissa Crummer, and Shay Connors. Uh, Looking, I think that they 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 could really once that all clicks together, that could be very formidable. Because I think that's the only thing they're missing is goals in them. They're creating plenty of chances. Um, Ish, Ish Nori and Katrina Gori, and even to a lesser extent, I'm not to say lesser extent, but I guess a more yeah you know, work work what's the word work woman like role that Holly Palmer's playing at the moment. That midfield, you know, boy would would um would the raw men love a midfield like the the women are going at the moment because this is. It, they they are, are playing very well, and I think the only thing they are missing at the moment are goals on them. Now that, that will come over time. I think we see when you start getting these sort of lineups together, and it's all clicking together. Someone's going, someone's going to cop a few goals at some point later in the season. So and they've got a few. It may start on uh, on uh, Sunday on in a couple like they've got a tough game against uh, Western United away, but then they've got Wellington um, at home in two weeks' time. I think that might be where it could uh, come down. Yeah, but look, this is, a, this is a good performance. I think if it wasn't for the two, that big loss to, to Sydney the week before, you'd actually say you'd be very happy with this performance. Yeah, and it does, again, just seem like they're all trending in that upwards direction. They're creating the chances, and I feel like they're going to find a way to just keep building on this week on week. And yeah, it is definitely a much improved side from um, what we saw last year, where Overall, it just it's it's growing, and I think that is probably the best thing you can say about this side as well. Where it's not always a notable improvement week on week, but you do feel like when you look back over the course of two, three, four games, there are clear areas of improvement over each sort of phase of play. If that makes sense. Hmm. And look. No, nothing against Georgie Worth, uh, Mia Bailey, and Bella Shuttleworth, but I do. It does feel like having just that calming presence of Hensley Handcuff at the back has been one of the big assets uh, for the Raw this year as well. Where they've got that stability rather than competition, and I think that's probably the angle I would the angle I would take for that. Where you've got the players that really have that undisputed starter and someone who does bring a little bit of a different perspective from a time over in the US. You can add Cash Kyle into that as well, James, in the defensive line. Also bringing very similar attributes that you mentioned about Hensley. You can say the same about her in the back line. So I do think having that bit of extra experience and stability in the back third has certainly cleaned up a lot of the problems that the Raw had last year where they were conceding a lot of a lot of late goals in tight matches. That's not really happening this year, so it certainly has made a massive impact. I was actually going to say, you look at that back four for the Raw compared to last year as well, that, you know, you look at the, the, the back four that started um, on Sunday against Adelaide, you got you got fullbacks in Talitha Kramer, who I just say sort of found today, 35 appearances she's made in the in in the uh, A-League women, so she, she's certainly she's certainly experienced and then you got Jesse Rashard on the other side and then you know Kaiser Lind who obviously you know, very you know, very well established in the top flight in Sweden alongside Jamila Rankin who we believe is the future Matilda that, that that again gives confidence even if Hensley Handcuff on paper has got is not that experienced she does bring things other things 
other things to tell. Most most notably, her, her physical presence in that something that you know, unfortunately, you know that a that you know Georgie or Mia or um or, or Bella didn't have last year. So I think that's where it starts with with the Roars. I think that the real improvement has been that back four. It's just like I said, the only thing I, I said before that's missing with this Raw women's side at the moment is the fact that they're not scoring goals. But even so, like Larissa Kramer, clearly the beneficiary of that uh, strong end to last season. Shay Connor's no shortage of chance as well. And as you guys mentioned as well, like the return of India Page Riley, who does, well, I think it's not really the most uh, game-breaking of uh, analysis to suggest that she's uh, grown as a player over the last few years overseas. And um, you know what? Let's hear what Gareth McPherson had to say about her after the match. It'd be great to have her back. It is, it is. She's a... She's a Queensland NCC product. She's a great kid. The team love her, and she's just a quality attacking player. And it's exciting for her at her age to be doing what she's doing. Uh, the opportunity to bring her in—it just—it's coincidental. Uh, we, we often have ex-war players who have gone overseas, and when they come back on a holiday, they'll often come into training and just train with the team and be around. And it's really good for the culture and keeps the story and the fabric of the women's program together. She was just back training with us. And then it was around the time Marielle got hurt and that was she was kind of ready to leave um, Denmark and we just lined up that we needed a striker, a wide striker, and we just lost a wide striker and she was around. So it's great to have her back. Happy to be back. How, how good's that? Back in all colours. Yeah, it's super nice to be wearing the orange jersey and playing in front of the home crowd again and being amongst the girls. You know, I've been playing with these girls since I was young and so it's nice to go through the steps with them now I'm back. So yeah, it's really exciting. You get a goal. That's... You could have had three to that. Yeah, I know. I should have had three. I need to do better <laughs> and help the team <laughs> no, win. But one, one was good and I'm happy to get on the score, score sheet. But yeah, you know, Brisbane, we want to win. And obviously, it's disappointing to get the draw in the end. But that's football sometimes. Yeah, last game was in the A League Women's in, in 2020. You come back, um, how, how much do you think the standard has lifted of the league since you've returned? Obviously, you've only seen 60 minutes of it, but does it feel different than was was when you last played in the league? Um, I can't really remember, to be honest. <laughs> um, but no, it's really good to be back. And yeah, I think the um, standing's gotten better. And yeah, I'm happy to be back here. And, and obviously yourself, having that experience in, in Denmark, do you feel like that you can you know, really sort of make an impact on this league? Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Coming back, you know, playing under Gareth and playing with the Brisbane fans, I wanted to help them, help them win games. So hopefully I can continue scoring. Um, you know, that's what I like to do and create chances for the team. So yeah. It's good. All right, that was Gareth after after the match. Scott? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, what are you me for? Adam is not only the mayor of Morton Bay, he's also the president of the India <laughs> Page Riley fan club, so you should be going to Adam on this one. Well, by the, <laughs> by the sounds of it, uh, there, there were a few candidates for that presidency in attendance at AJ Kelly Park. So so there should be. But uh, also as well, uh, on, on top of that, you know, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, you know, bring forward that timeline, India... Patriot did play 45 minutes for the football ferns in their 4 0 loss to uh, the number one team in the world, the t- Team USA, in Wellington this afternoon. So, so again, you know, more, more experience. And like I said, I think she's obviously well in the frame for to be in that uh, New Zealand World Cup squad in July. For sure. Now, um, more, more match minutes as well for her, looking at it from a raw perspective, James. Another 45 minutes into her legs when she does return to the Raw. It's an extra extra match time in her legs that the Raw will have a benefit from. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, now, we will wrap this up with the 3 two, one player votes. And, well, I'm looking at the run sheet, and apparently it's my turn for this again. So, uh, three votes to Letha Kramer, two votes Katrina Gorey, and one vote for Shay Connors. It was a pretty stacked field overall for that. Could have picked one of about half a dozen players, and that's where I landed, having watched it from home, having consumed the NFL playoffs early that morning. Just couldn't make it out after... The Jacksonville Jaguars' ridiculous comeback, which that's all I will mention about the NFL playoffs. Oh, boo hiss. <laughs> Since uh, none of our teams actually made it this year. Hey, right. yeah. Hey, that's you, right, yeah. You don't want to talk about your golden boy who's left town playing for another team who should be retiring? He'll be back. Yeah. Anyway. Tire. Um, of course he will. He's only 45. He's got years left in him. He's a young spring chicken. Well, it's not like he's got a family to go home to anymore. That's true. <laughs> I'm not, not going near that. <laughs> That's a point. All right. Now, I did uh, tease in the introduction that we were going to talk about the fixturing debate, but having a look at the clock right now, I think we might have to shelve that for this week, just purely for time constraints, because I do want to dedicate quite a bit of uh, time to it as well. But what I want to do now, just uh, quickly, is ask the listeners... We hear so many complaints about the scheduling of the A-League across the men and the women, considering it is a summer sport. I just want to know, what is your solution to appease those that feel like there need to be massive changes? Because right now, it basically comes down to one of two things for me. Either you have afternoon kickoffs in the summer heat, and the players are running around and it's not comfortable, or you bite the bullet and have simultaneous kickoffs, which they did try last year, and it was met with howling outrage online. So I would love to know, what is the Goldilocks solution as well? Are you, as fans, willing to accept simultaneous kickoffs or warm-weather games? In You know, the simultaneous kickoffs at night, also not the most family-friendly, but I would just love to know what the solution is because it feels like right now, whatever they pick, it does wind up with uh, you know some sort of outrage saying that it's unfair for somebody. So uh, sound off in the comments and let us know. Can I ask a second question? Yes. Raw specifically, what kickoff times do you prefer? Because it seems like everyone seems to prefer the nighttime kickoffs change, but if you look at the attendances, the afternoon games seem to be better. So what if what sort of kickoff time do you prefer, particularly up in Redcliffe? Maybe they can answer that question. As well, six well, thousand one hundred and fifty uh, at uh, at Co Stadium on Saturday uh, suggests the four o'clock kickoff on Saturday is uh, very popular. Well, all I will say as well, keep in mind that again, I've seen the people that complain six forty-five is too early for a kickoff. Are also the ones that complain seven forty-five is too late. Seven thirty is too late. It's yeah. It, it's why I do just keep saying... Apparently 10.30 Eastern Dart saving time's too late. Yeah, well, that's a whole other thing. And I will save that for next week, which we will try our best to get to. We might just talk about the games coming up this weekend because the Raw men and women are both in action on Saturday. The women are playing 1.20pm against Western United. But for some reason, they're playing at North Hobart Oval as Western United tack on another home ground to their already long list in their short history. Yes, home oh. ground number 17. Collect them all. <laughs> I, w- I will say this, that the arg- the argument about, oh, geez, they're playing in the, in the middle of January in uh, in the sometime heat. 
it's going to be 19 degrees in Hobart on Saturday. I know that because I'm headed to I'm headed to Tasmania this week. Not for the game, I didn't know but... You could, I didn't know you could play home games overseas, James, either, by the way. When did that become a, a rule? When they brought Perth into the league. <laughs> Great. I've offended Tassie. You've offended Western Australia. We're going real well on this show. Adam, you want to offend anyone? Uh, well, I'm, not, I'm definitely not offending Tasmania, so... Anyone want to have a crack at New Zealand while we're at it? Or maybe England? <laughs> Specifically Tottenham? What do we think of Tottenham? Anyway. Uh, oh, my, after, after what happened with my club this week, I'm not saying a darn thing. I'll see you Sunday, James. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not going to be anywhere near this smug in uh, seven days. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, what are we expecting from this game as well? It's going to be a pretty intriguing uh, battle between the two sides. And a is good this measuring game? For the Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting game. It's the first time that, as Raw fans, have had a chance to really see Western United play against the Raw. We, I, don't, I think we all kind of underestimated Western United in our season previews. They've had an outstanding start to the season. And it, it's not all Chloe Legazzo either. There's other players down there from that MPL Victoria system who, who have stepped up and done an outstanding job there for Western United. So I think it's going to be a really intriguing game to see how these two sides match up. Western United coming off a, a disappointing result against Western Sydney Wanderers, but... I think it's a great test just for Gareth McPherson's side to go down to, to Tasmania and test themselves against the current league leaders. Uh, yeah, West, I, I was almost in a way, um, I wish that Western United had beaten uh, Western Sydney Wanderers and that the Raw be the one to ambush them. So uh, now that, that their winning streak is over, um, I, I expect a bit of a rebound from Western United, but as I said before in recapping Gamius Adelaide, I really do like this Royal side. And if the more and more that they sell together as a side, I think that they can really make a run, uh, make a run at the uh, at the finals. But these are the, these are the games that they need to win. They need to make count. So look, we don't we don't know too, again. We don't know too much about Western United other than the players that that sort of you know that have sort of starred. Chloe Gaza actually, to be honest, has not been that that much of a factor, which is which is downright scary. Um, so, so look, this this will be a really good game. I think the two sides that you know, I think are, are very well matched up, and uh, yeah, I, I think I actually think this will probably be a draw. Yeah, right. I think this will be a good chance for the Raw to prove themselves against what has been the benchmark team this season, and uh, the Raw men—they're also taking on a benchmark team in their competition with uh, Melbourne City, Scott. They are, and this is, of course, the um, if you think back, James, this was the A-League All-Access piece game where Charlie Austin and Connor Chapman were having that that infamous, um, let's call it, discussion at halftime. We can't play the audio of that for many number of reasons, James, but hopefully this time around, when the Raw play against Melbourne City, the bench line that you, uh, I'm hoping for is a performance where there's less mistakes. Because the first half of that game in particular, the Raw made way too many defensive mistakes and let Melbourne City pretty much run right in that game and have the game pretty much decided by halftime. So it's obviously going to be a really tough game for the Raw. And they, as of time of recording, they haven't brought anybody in. By the time kickoff rolls down on Saturday, that may change. But as things are currently constituted, it's going to be a tough one, this one, for the Raw. Joe O'Shea's back. He's going to play his 100th game, James. So maybe, maybe they can rally in Joe O'Shea's 100th A-League game for the Brisbane Raw. And I would also just like to say as well, I think you guys may have to have a uh, rumble in the media section if they do decide to announce someone around lunchtime tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I honestly, it want to be someone that's uh, that's active, um, that's actually playing the league at the moment because I, if it's someone that's in the off-season, I don't see them even, you know, 
you know, make it making the 17 or the so the the 18 uh, match day squad. So unless unless there's someone that is actually playing, I don't think I think yeah we don't really. Sort of... What about Zhang Yuning, Adam? How about he comes back? Oh God! <laughs> oh, I've still got I've still got nightmares from him. But um, yeah, look, uh, is this going to be tough going for a roll? I mean, if, I, if, I, if we're being fair, Dinkum, uh, Melbourne City are the benchmark at the moment. Um, look, but Western, uh, so Western Sydney Wanderers really took it to them uh, the, uh, on uh, on Sunday. I think they sort of showed the way that you can really disrupt uh, disrupt Melbourne City, mainly take Jamie McLaren out of the game. Uh, he had his uh, his goal scoring streak uh, uh, broken, but uh, but yeah, look, I think. The Raw, I think, defensively, I think, are capable, but they really need to take the opportunities at the other end. I think that that will be the key because I don't think if they if they invite Melbourne City enough times to um, to put pressure on, eventually they're going to crack, uh, and that's not that's not slow on the Raw because I think any any team in this league at the moment who do that are doing that at their own peril, and they're not going to defend like uh, like Western Sydney did uh, last Sunday because that For was sake- that was truly miraculous. Yeah, for the sake of the title race, I'd love for the Raw to just get something out of this game. But being completely honest, it just feels like Melbourne City have far too much quality. Uh, Marco Tilio looks like he's emerging into the next big thing and probably won't be long for the A-League if he keeps progressing at that rate. All right, well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you very much, Adam. Yes, thank you and good night. Thank you, Scott. Hopefully the City Football Group don't ruin Marco Tilio like they did that other flying young wing for Australia but thanks good to talk to you once again James thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll be back next week to recap the games against Western United and Melbourne City and hopefully talk about new signings and finally the scheduling in the meantime have a good week get out to the uh, football the Raw men are at home and uh, also there's some NPL preseason friendlies going on as well so don't hesitate to get out to a local ground as well we'll be back next week talk to you then